this week's guest is is somebody that is part of the soundtrack of your life if you're a rock and roll fan like i am uh this is a guy who who sang some of your favorite songs uh, good loving good loving you get any better than good loving um he also did people gotta be free he did uh it's a beautiful morning grooving felix cavalieri is here gonna be on the show momentarily but first listen to this other fine opie show I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and my co-host Luke Costable each week for the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, the podcast where two regular car guys talk about, what else? Cars. We'll tell you about what we've seen on the roads, what's happening in the industry, and share some great stories about our experiences in the automotive world over the past several decades. We guarantee it'll be fun, informative, and entertaining. It's the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie production, on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Man Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. Well, this week's guest is a, a genuine rock and roll star. A member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Songwriters Hall of Fame, the Musicians Hall of Fame, the Grammy Hall of Fame, at least three other Halls of Fame. One of the greatest keyboard players and songwriters of all time. Please welcome to the show the main man from one of my all-time favorite bands, The Rascals, Mr. Felix Cavalieri. How are you, Felix? I'm doing well, man. Thank you very much. So you're in so many halls of fame now. Do you just get out the same speech? Like, hey, honey, get me the hall of fame speech. Let's go. <laughs> no. You know, as a matter of fact, I pay a lot of attention to those uh, speeches. Okay. You know, you, you, when you have a chance to be heard, you might as well say something meaningful, you know? Well, speaking of saying something, uh, you, you have a new book out. Uh, it just came out yeah. uh, called Memoir of a Rascal. It talks a lot mm-hmm. about uh, the material that we're going to cover here today, but what made you decide to write the book now? You know, I've, I've been asked to write my memoir, and I always say, I'm waiting for people to die. But, you know, <laughs> you've got all these guys. They're all still alive. What's uh, What made you decide to do it? Well, I'll tell you, seriously, um, 2013, we, uh, uh, the original Rascal Guys members, we did a, a show, a uh, Broadway show called Once Upon a Dream. You know, which was, uh, you know, it was really a kind of like an interesting thing because what happened is we, we did press conferences. At the press conference, everyone had a different answer for the same questions. Oh, interesting. And and, and I said, I, I said, wait a minute, you know, like, I mean, I, I kind of tell it as a joke now, but I mean, uh, uh, did Custer really win that battle or did he lose <laughs> that? You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it turns out that the last person standing who writes the story, uh, it, it goes into uh, Wikipedia, and uh, I would I wouldn't count on that one, you know. Yeah, right. So I, that's 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 what did it. I, I said, you know, uh, I really want to uh, at least set the record straight as far as I remember. Right. And then I realized that I've been here on this planet for quite a few decades, and uh, the rascal part was was only a small maybe five six year period right what about the other years so that's how it came about well i you know i'm looking forward to reading it i have not gotten the yeah I'm, i picked it up but i have not read it yet so i'm really Great. looking forward to digging in um because you know i know it was only five years but the rascals had a 
uh, an impact that still exists today. I mean, some of the songs, my favorite ones are the ones that you co-wrote. You were grooving. I've been lonely too long. Beautiful morning. I, I saw you guys did a video of that during the uh, during yeah. COVID, and you can still sing it amazingly well. I mean, that's how how is that possible? Fifty years later, your your voice still sounds the same. Well, almost, but yeah. I mean, you know, I, well, I also cover that in the book. You know, I had the really good fortune of studying with a, a guru, you know, uh, Swami Sachidananda, and. Uh, you know, a lot of the techniques that you learn with yoga are health, okay. you know, mental, physical, and spiritual. So I really have to say that that uh, contributed to that plus my Italian heritage that, you know, right. give me the good luck to have a voice still. Yeah, right. Well, I think for me personally, I think your masterpiece is People Gotta Be Free, which really captured the turbulence of 1968 and I, I have three grown sons and i try to you know they think that the time we're living through right now is the most turbulent time in history but tell people what 1968 was like wow. you know what i mean well it's pretty rough right now i'll tell you that it's, it's rough, rough now I'll it is rough it. now rough. yes yeah. and you know it, it, you know what what brings to mind is uh uh, excuse me while I sneeze here. I live in Tennessee, which is allergy heaven. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh my God, uh, I, I can only imagine what uh, you know our parents went through with uh, Hitler and those people. Well, that's you, true I, too. I, yeah. I, 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 I can't even imagine what yeah. the hell that felt like. But in the '60s, we had our own. Yes, you know, right. we we had the added pressure that a lot of the younger people don't know, which is the draft. Right, you know, and uh, you know th that that's gone. Thank goodness, because that that added a tremendous amount of tension. But basically, what happened is, um, you know, we had some assassinations in right. those years, <laughs> and um, the second one of which, which is really one that uh, uh, caused uh, me to write, uh, "People Got to Be Free," was the Robert F. Kennedy. Right. Uh, uh, that was the one because I was working for his campaign, and I was uh, dating a woman who was actually there at that horrible event in Los Angeles. Oh, my God. You know, he just, yeah, I know. He just won the primary, and next thing you know, before they even had a chance to celebrate, uh, yeah, yeah his last gone. thing was on to Chicago. And, I, you know, as someone who's in Chicago, that's, you know, kind of haunting, haunting term there. But, you it's know. It's just, it was amazing, you know. Can, I mean, again, I can't even imagine. But so anyway, that, that's really what it, it kind of sprung a, 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 a vein in my head saying, you know, i gotta got to say something here, man. you got to write something. You've got to do something, you know, just heartfelt. And uh, look, 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 at here we are in 2022, still, still a relevant, relevant thought. Well, the other thing that you guys experienced and saw uh, was uh, segregation, you know, segregated yeah. audiences in the South in the 60s. There yeah. were still plenty of places that the audience was still segregated. But I, I've been reading about you. You said that it says that uh, you you guys refused to play in front of segregated audiences. Is that true? Yeah. But I'll tell you what happened. Uh, you know, there's always a story attached to it. You know, we, we, uh, uh, we crossed over on every hit record that we had into the R&B world, into the black radio station. Yeah, Blue Eyed Soul, They were a major, major part of our audience. So one day we were working, and this group called the Young Holt 
trio. I don't know if you remember that name. No. Uh, but uh, they, they were like, they, you know, there's a lot of groups that, that, you know, even though they're they're black, they're really not R&B. You know, they're more pop. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, say, Fifth Dimension. They're really not an R&B group, you know? I mean, uh, right. you know, well, neither was Young Hole. So they were opening up for us, and, and, and they came backstage, and they said, Felix, thank you so much, man, for, you know, having us on the show. We never get a chance to play for white audiences, and that's primarily our audience. And I said, well, man, it's not only a pleasure, but we don't get a chance to play for black audiences. And that's always a pleasure, you know? Yeah. And so I said, so my this little thing went off in my head and I said, you know, we got to make a rule. Well, I had no idea the storm <laughs> clouds that I was I was bringing, you know. I just uh I thought it was so simple, you know, cuz right. the, the radio stations stations used to play uh, you know, mixed music yeah. so to speak. You know, there wasn't this demographic as much as it is now, which is, you know, pretty much all commercially oriented. Right. That's what caused it. Wow. You know, I I heard the Beatles also did that, refused to play to uh, segregated audiences. And, um, the, you know, you were talking about these black groups, the 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 song Good Lovin', the original Good Lovin', that was done by a black group, wasn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. and that was a gigantic hit. And I always thought that you guys wrote that one. I had no idea. That was a huge hit for you. Number one hit, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a big one. Yeah. Well, there's a story behind everything, you know, and, and, and basically the story with that is that uh, in those days, you uh, were not allowed to do uh, originals uh, in the clubs that we were working, the nightclubs. Oh, It was all right. covers. And so what I would have to do is literally go to the music stores, the record stores, which we used to have. We don't have any more, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the record store is your iPhone now, you know? I miss those so much. I love record stores. Yeah, and uh, actually buy the copy and prove to the proprietor of the club that, you know, this was, this was a genuine record that, you know, like it's, it doesn't have my name on it yet, but it will someday, but, you know. Yeah. And uh, so that's how it's found good loving, you know? And then we put it in our set, and uh, seriously, from the first day, uh, the first night that we played that song, people just loved it. Amazing. And that yeah. kind of became a signature song for you guys. And then sure. years later, uh, Pat Benatar comes along and, and grabs a uh, Rascal song and makes that one of yeah. that, that her signature song, You Better Run. Right. Which yeah. You, you wrote that, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's just highest form of compliment to yeah. you know like somebody does your song and she did a great job you know her her and her husband there neil they they, they rocked that thing yeah that is a, it's a great song it's still i like your version too um mm -hmm. i was looking over your list of songs and which ones hit the charts and i noticed something interesting that i didn't know before and that is that you guys were huge in canada like like really huge like but even after the hits weren't as frequent here in the u.s and canada you were still right. monstrous. How did that happen? I mean, you guys are from New Jersey, right? Well, New Jersey and New York. We yeah. had two New Jerseyites and two New Jersey. I have no idea except for I'm very thankful for that, you know, because, you know, when people like your music, what can you say but thanks? I mean, seriously, you know, right. it's, it's it's a treat. It's an honor. It's a blessing. And, you know, I, I don't know. We didn't really tour that much of Canada either, you know, but... Uh, it just happened. 
You know, it just happens. So uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to go all the way back to the very beginning of your career. And, and you were in a band, Joey D and the Starlighters, and everybody remembers right. that song, Peppermint Twist. Uh, right. What made you decide to leave that group and start up your own? And could you uh, please uh, explain the whole Young Rascals versus Rascals <laughs> thing? Because, you know, I always thought when I was a kid, I thought, well, they must have been a different band, you know. And no, it's the same yeah. guys. Well, that was kind of a mistake. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, part part two first, uh, we were uh, we were traveling to Los Angeles uh, to uh, – the Whiskey Go-Go, just when Good Lovin' was coming out. And, uh, you know, our manager called up quite oh, suddenly, said, hey, man, we got a problem. Uh, somebody else owns the name. There was a group called the Harmonica Rascals. So I, meaning him, Sid Bernstein, put in the adjective young. <laughs> and, you know, we were crushed. I was crushed. I said, you know, man, like, you know, the young, why the young rascals? I mean, for years, I had people come up to me and say, did that dog really have a circle around his eye? <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, come on, you know? Yeah. And so what, it just, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you don't name your kid, you know, by rote, you know? You know right. <laughs> so right. anyway, we, uh, as soon as we had a hit record, we said, the hell with this young get rid of it now as you say from a business point of view it was not a good idea because it might have been two different bands but it wasn't right you know and then and then as far as the first one well that's a long story which is in the book you know okay. it's a long story of uh, me coming out of college working for a summer uh in the catskills and then joey d being a a, a headliner at the particular hotel that i was at they kind of saw me went to europe lost their organ player, called me up. And that's when things really started to happen. And this is, again, this is in the book. Yeah. Because what happened when I when I joined them is there was this group opening up for Joey D that in America we never heard of called the Beatles. Wow. Yeah, these guys opened up for Joey. And that's kind of what, you know, kind of triggered me into saying, well, I think I'm going to do this, you know, uh, be in the music business. Because prior to that, I was a student at Syracuse. I was pre-med. And uh, that did it because, uh, first of all, I heard all these girls yelling and screaming. <laughs> I said, this, this could be a good, this could be a good thing. Yeah. Well, you actually have a couple of Beatles tie-ins. I mean, I, the cover of your yeah. book is uh, Linda yeah. McCartney, right? She She took that photo. That's right. And yeah. didn't you also tour with Ringo's All-Star Band? I thought I, I could have I sworn I saw you with them, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, which was, uh, you know, really a lot of fun. That was that was fun. Yeah, I made a lot of new friends, you know, Mark Farner from Grand Funk. And yeah. Randy Bachman was there. And rest their soul, John Entwistle and Billy Preston. That was that was fun. That was a hoot. So you talk about some of the all-time greats there, but who were the, who yep. were your musical influences growing up? Well, you know, the thing that really made it special for me is that I, I grew up uh, near New York City, maybe 15 minutes north, uh, and which is the title of the book, From Pelham to the Whole Fame. Uh, and uh, Alan Freed brought uh, rock and roll from Cleveland to New York. Right. And so I heard people, you know, from the very beginning of rock and roll, they were playing the same instrument that I was playing. Yeah. which was a piano, 
But I was classically trained, and all of a sudden I heard Ray Charles, Fats Domino, Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Richard playing the instrument that I thought I knew. Yeah, so in a way certain, that you never certain. heard it before, right? No. No, I, I, you know, basically I was kind of sheltered in that I was, you know, really supposed to be only listening to classical, you know. Right. And then all of a sudden this this phenomenon called rock and roll comes in, which which was really in the early days R&B. It really was. Yeah. And that's just, uh, you know, I, I said, well, let me try this. I think I can do this. I think I can play this, you know. And uh, uh, I had a cousin who showed me how to do boogie woogie. Okay. It's kind of like is, is is a structure, you know, musical structure for for a lot of these things that uh, it's kind of it, it's kind of disappeared a little bit, but it used to be. Uh, I, I guarantee all of those people that I mentioned played it at one time. Right. It, now those guys that you mentioned, Ray Charles, Fats Domino, Little Richard. I mean, uh, are these? Is this your Mount Rushmore of the keyboards? Are, are there people that? Who who out there do you do you respect and go that that guy right there or that lady right there? That's how you play. Well, I mean, when we're talking about keyboards, we got Elton, Elton yeah. John, we got Billy Joel, right? And when we're talking about icons, I mean, God, you don't get any better than Prince, yeah, Michael Jackson. You don't get any better than that. I mean, these these people were just. I, I use the term, uh, you know, lovingly, which is they're just monsters, man. unbelievable <laughs> talent, unbelievable. You know, I was looking over your list of TV shows that you guys appeared on uh, during the during the heyday, and there's some great ones. I mean, Soupy Sales, Joey Bishop, oh, yeah. Mike Douglas, oh, yeah. The Tonight Show. You guys were on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and, and of course Ed Sullivan. Yeah. You have any memories from any of those appearances? Oh. Oh, we have memories from all of those oh, yeah. appearances. I mean, like I say, because, you know, like, for example, we did, uh, I, I think it was Andy Williams. Wow, Andy Williams. And, uh, <laughs> remember that? Yeah, sure. And and for some reason, I, I think it was that show, I was on a, we were on a rowboat with uh, Bing Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah. you I know mean, there it's amazing, are huh? many people in the world that can say that statement. <laughs> Oh, I tell you, yeah. you know, like I, I was writing down, uh, I didn't include it in the book, but I started to write down all the people that I've either been on TV with or on stage with. Oh, my God, it was like two pages. Yeah. You know, it was fantastic. You know, I, it's just been fantastic. I mean, Partridge Family, Leslie Uggams, you know, as I say, Andy Williams, uh, 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 it, it just so many, uh, uh, Kid Leo, you know, for your area there. Yeah. You guys, you know, all these, it, it's been a great career, you know, and I, I, I don't know, I just thoroughly enjoyed myself. What was it like being on the Ed Sullivan show? Because that was like, that was a sign that you had made it, Right. Yeah, that was a big thing. Uh, well, uh, it was an interesting experience, which uh, took seven days. Really? Oh, yeah. Basically, people don't know, but you started on Monday a.m., bright and early. I think it was around 7 a.m., if I'm not mistaken. And you showed up at, you know, what is now the, the you know, the, uh, uh, was the Letterman Theater. Now it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, Colbert. Yeah. Called Stephen Colbert. Right. Uh, and, and you did, your, you, you, you got there at 7 a.m. It was very organized and very strict. And you did your uh, run throughs, run throughs, run throughs. And on Saturday night, 
you did a complete show in front of an audience, not televised. Oh, wow. And that, yeah, it was serious, you know. And uh, what people don't know is that, you know, uh, this was prior to, see, see uh, Ed Sullivan was a, was a uh, like a newspaper columnist. Right. Who, uh, you know, in, in, in those early days, prior to, you know, our days, uh, that's how you got your publicity. You know, you didn't have a Facebook, you know, you had a, sure. you had a columnist. So uh, they, they offered him this Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time. But what they did is they gave him like uh, a figure, let's say maybe $150,000, dollars to put a show together. So when we did that show, it was prior to us getting union fees. Okay. In other words, we got our regular concert fee. Wow. So, yeah. So, like, when he had all those acts on, he paid them their, you know, regular price, you know. And uh, it, it was wild because, obviously, we're sharing backstage with comedians. Yeah. Like Hackett, you know, and that little yeah. puppet there, you know. Yeah, Topo Gigio. Plate spinners and acrobats. I got some great stories backstage behind that. I mean, it was like, you know, three young kids, man. Like, you know, it was, it was a gas. And and but he was very very disciplined back then. He was tough. Yeah. You know, and his son son in law, I believe his name was Bob Precht. And if that rhymes with something, it's for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But, you know, the, the memories I have of it was was, um, you know, uh, we only were on stage for like maybe what two minutes. Yeah, were, maybe. Were two. they? Was were you playing live in those days? On those shows? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we were live, which was kind of difficult because there was nowhere near the uh, sound uh, quality right. that came later, you know. Uh, and, uh, oh, my God, sometimes it just sounds so bad. And, you know, if you look at the TV in those days, the, the speaker was like, you know, 120th. <laughs> That's a good point. So, yeah, how, how bad could it have sounded on that little speaker, right? Yeah, well, it did. Yeah. You know, sometimes I didn't even want to go home because my <laughs> friend said, "Hey, we saw you, man." But uh, <laughs> over it. that's funny. Uh, so, yeah. all right. So, fast forward. You're you're going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stevie Van Zant inducted you guys. Of a, a very memorable speech, and I just oh, yeah. heard recently that uh, that speech is the reason he got cast in The Sopranos. Did you know that? I did know that. Yeah, I mean, David Chase saw that and said, "I got to have yeah. that guy." Well, it was brilliant. Yeah, it was. And and he told me he had another he had another good fifteen minutes, but he was too embarrassed to do it. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> he really, uh, uh, you know, it, it's funny how people's lives entwined, you know, and and they supplement each other because he helped us tremendously uh, get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And uh, look what we did. We helped him get into the Sopranos. So right, yeah, it's a, yeah. it's all it's all tied together. Now uh, it's all tied together. Yeah, I see that you're touring with Mickey Dolenz from the Monkees uh, this year. Yes. Tell me, tell me how the two of you hooked up, and 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 uh, and you know where we can see you. What is there a, a website that has a schedule? We can tour schedule. Well, yes, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know that there's a Legends Live tour site yet, but there's a FelixCavalryMusic.com okay. that has all the dates. Uh, uh, we have the same agencies. Okay. You know, we work with APA. And um, I've worked with the, the Monkees for, you know, many, many years on and off, you know, and 
And I knew all of them. You know, they were they were really they were really talented people. I mean, you know, they they, they were you know they were actors and singers and you know like Davy Jones was. You know, he was probably, he could have been a stand-up comedian. He was yeah. so funny. I mean, he had all the accents. And then you look what Mike Nesbitt did, what he, what he accomplished that people don't even know. Right. But if you just Google him, take a look and see, you know, he was pre-MTV with videos, man. Yeah, he you was know? an Hello. entrepreneur. I mean, the guy was, yeah. a, was a genius. Yeah. And uh, very quiet, you know. And then Peter, Peter lived, Peter lived in uh, Connecticut also. And he was just a really, they, they were just great guys. Now Mickey's, he's a crazy man. <laughs> he's, 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 he's a very funny guy, uh, you know. And the kid, the people love him. And uh, so I think that the thought process is: look, with, with all the turbulent times that we've been going through, you know. Their music was very happy. Our music was very happy. Let's get together. Yeah. The rascal and a monkey. Rascal and a monkey. You know, um, if if memory serves, and it, it might, I might be wrong about this, but did did somebody from the Rascals actually appear in the Monkeys on a on an episode of the Monkeys? I don't know. Oh, okay. I, if they did, I, I don't know. Okay. You know, I know we, it wasn't you. I thought it was one of the other guys. No, but, no, uh, no. Okay. That's all right. Well, it could be. You never can tell. Well, that'll be in their books, right? Because uh, they all exactly. have different answers. <laughs> <laughs> you still get along with everybody? I mean, you guys still friends? I'd like to say yes, but unfortunately, that's not the case. Oh, I'm that's so embarrassed bad. about that. That's ah, terrible. We had a terrible breakup. You know what I mean? Eddie quit, left. And uh, ah, it's just a shame. It's yeah. so silly. I mean, my God. Kind of like war. Pretty right. silly. I'm well, going to take your country, but first I'm going to destroy it. Yeah. So, so there's nothing there. But you did that video together just a couple of years ago. Was that uh, was that tension filled, or is it because you could, were all in your home home studios? Well, no, no, uh, that that didn't have the original guys in it. Oh, it wasn't you mean the beautiful? Guys. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no, okay. no, no, no. We the only the last time we were together in mass was uh, 2013. Wow. Uh, with with that uh, show, that uh, Broadway show, Once Upon a Dream, right. and uh, unfortunately, uh, that is the last time you know we'll ever be together. Yeah, just oh, because yeah. of health reasons. Health reasons. Well, that's too bad. There's more to come with our guest on Minutia Men Celebrity Interview right after this. We'll be right back. We are the hosts of Minutia Men. I'm Rick Kemper. And I'm Dave Stern. I'm German. I'm Jewish. I have three sons. I have three daughters. I'm a Cubs fan. I'm a Sox fan. I have hair. Minutia Men and Opai Show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. We're back with more Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. The Rascals is one of my all-time favorite bands, and this has been a genuine thrill for me to talk to you. Um... And if you would mind uh, telling people where they can get your book, uh, you know, you already mentioned your website, but uh, what's the what's the title of your book? Where where can people get it? It's called Memoir of a Rascal. Amazon has it. Amazon is probably the easiest. Felix dot com. And man, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you taking it. And, uh, you know, it's good speaking to you. All right. Thanks, Felix. Take it easy. All right. I hope I see you one of these days. Yeah. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tony Lasano at opishows.com, O-P-P-I-H shows. That's hippo backwards. Also, thanks to the distributor, 
Ed Silla from the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Uh, we'll be back again very soon with a brand new episode of Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? All right, Adam, what uh, country are you from? I am from England. What is the best soccer league in the entire world? The English Premier League. What is your day job? Director of coaching for Illinois Youth Soccer. So if you were, say, a fan of English Premier League and you wanted to hear the, the opinions of someone who is from England, who knows a lot of soccer, what podcast would you tell people they need to listen to? Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. And that's on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Free Kicks, a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. RadioMisfits.com. Yeah.